We will now go on, and if you want to stay at the mic for a second, Dr. Murphy, we will hear our visual and performing arts update and program evaluation. Dr. Murphy. All right, thank you. Yes, I'm going to turn uh, this over here to uh, Regina Van Horn, uh, our assistant director for program evaluation. Uh, this is completing the program evaluation for arts education. Also here this evening uh, in concert with Ms. Van Horn is uh, Ms. Pam Farrell, and she will also be speaking to this presentation. So let me turn it over to them and also say thank you to both of them. Good evening. Um, I'm pleased to share the findings tonight from our evaluation of the arts education program. I am joined tonight by Pam Farrell, Supervisor for Arts Education. Uh, she'll present the evaluation's recommendations as well as next steps. The mission of the Arts Education Office is to lead a culture of continual learning toward the implementation of best practices and curriculum design. This will provide opportunities for students to receive a high level of arts education and to develop the necessary problem solving and critical thinking skills that will transfer to all aspects of their lives as global citizens. Arts instruction is offered in APS in the disciplines of visual art, general music, instrumental music, chorus, and theater. The evaluation process for arts education began in 2015-16 with a planning committee. The committee included stakeholders who met regularly throughout the year to develop an evaluation plan. Participants in that committee included staff from teaching and learning and planning and evaluation, arts teachers, school administrators, and a parent and representative from the Arts Education Citizens Advisory Committee. The evaluation plan shaped the data collection, which took place throughout 2016-17. Data sources included surveys, a focus group, and interviews, classroom observations, concert observations, results from arts competitions, theater inspections, a study conducted by Hanover Research, and student enrollment and assessment data. This past November, we held a data retreat, which included a variety of stakeholders. At the data retreat, participants review the data collected for the evaluation and begin to shape the findings and recommendations that are presented in the report. So before we delve into the evaluation's findings, I wanted to note that the report and the executive summary that are on our website both include embedded QR codes um, that will each give you access to a video that will deepen your understanding uh, as in your reading experience as you go through the report, bringing the arts alive. So to review those QR codes, you would need to download a QR scanner to your phone and then scan the code with your phone. So I just want to take a look very briefly at an example of what one of those videos is. I think the arts are a huge and important strength of the APS uh, school curriculum. It gives students another opportunity and a different way in which to learn content um, in ways that they can express their talents. It gives them opportunity to find other talents and interests that they may have.
So now I'll give a brief summary of the evaluation's key findings. Um, let's see. So this evaluation includes several findings indicating high quality in arts instruction throughout APS. Observations and survey responses indicate a prevalence of high quality instructional practices in arts classrooms, including strong differentiation practices. We also found that most APS elementary students are receiving arts instruction in accordance with guidelines for time of instruction. And a scan conducted by Hanover Research shows that students uh, who participate in available APS arts courses will likely be well prepared 
to meet application and prerequisite requirements uh, of post-secondary arts programs. The evaluation also looked at whether APS students have access to the arts and participate in arts instruction. Survey results show that teachers and administrators agree that the arts are valued at their school and are part of their school culture. We also found that over the past four years, APS has made progress in increasing representation of student groups in secondary arts courses. Course requests and survey results indicate that most secondary students who, want, who are interested in taking an arts course are able to do so. Uh, when they're not able to enroll in an arts course, that is typically due to schedule constraints. We also found that the gifted referral and identification process for visual art and music varies across schools and levels. This evaluation includes information about student, or student outcomes in the categories of artistic process, artistic products, and success of graduates who are interested in careers in the arts. In the area of artistic process, we found that students are engaging in studio habits of mind while creating visual art products. Habits of mind refers to a set of eight dispositions that describe the critical thinking skills and decisions that students face and solve when creating art. As for artistic products, APS choral and instrumental concerts display high levels of quality in internal APS performances as well as in regional and state competitions. In addition, APS students have a high rate of participation and recognition at a national visual art competition. And finally, both current students and graduates who were interested in a career in the arts were positive about the support they had received from APS in that pursuit. All right, Pam will now present the evaluation recommendations and next steps. Good evening. Before presenting our next steps, I'd like to thank our planning committee who worked with us over the past um, three years, including my colleagues Kelly and Allison in central office. I'd also like to thank Regina Van Horn and Robin Risto for their guidance and support um, in this process. And finally, I'd like to recognize the teachers who are delivering this high quality instruction to our students, which enabled us to have these positive outcomes and achievements. Our first recommendation is to explore opportunities for APS to increase awareness of participation in arts courses. While the evaluation found that most students who want to take arts courses are able to, a small group of students interested are unable to enroll in the arts class because of scheduling constraints. We also found that while we've made great strides in increasing representation of student groups since our last program evaluation, there hasn't been as much change in our advanced level courses. Our next steps, recommendation one, aims to engage schools and departments to encourage arts opportunities for all students and find creative solutions to scheduling conflicts through the next steps. Identify methods to increase participation among all students and develop a plan for a consistent countywide approach. Working with counselors to enhance their understanding of arts careers in alignment with students' interests in their individualized, personalized academic plan. We'd also like to expand outreach opportunities for parents and students to find out more about the arts courses in planning their Aspire to Excellence pathway. And also to communicate all stakeholders options for fee reductions and waivers. In spring 2018, our plan is to meet with counselors and content supervisors to look at the impact of strengthening courses such as in math and reading on students' abilities to take arts electives. In fall 2018, 
to survey students to determine courses in the arts that would meet their interests and responsive to their cultural backgrounds. In spring of 2019, based on the survey findings, we would like to update our course offerings in the program of studies through the program of studies process. Our second recommendation is to develop and implement a countywide theater equipment replacement schedule. We will continue to work with our external theater inspection company and APS facilities and operations, as well as our safety inspector to assess and maintain Arlington's theater facilities. We currently have a very effective system in place. Adding this replacement cycle schedule will enable us to forecast monetary needs based on a graded A through F system that would help us with our maintenance cycle within the APS budget cycle. Next steps for recommendation two, it aims to continue the collaborative work that we've established with facilities and operations and our outside theater company to enhance our current effective system that includes the safety and maintenance of our theaters. This would now include a replacement plan based on the previous mentioned grading system and would allow APS to anticipate and submit annually to the major construction minor maintenance schedule. For example, a schedule of replacement equipment, large equipment could forecast the need for $50,000 based on the age of the equipment and this would allow for us to have pre-planning and budget consideration. The plan for this recommendation in summer 2018 is to review the rating system and create a replacement schedule with facilities and operations for our theater equipment. In fall of 18 and forward, provide ongoing professional development to staff on proper care and maintenance of the equipment. And within the school year 18-19, create modules for proper use of equipment for outside groups who use our facilities. Next, our third recommendation is to explore course offerings based on current workforce trends. As we are finalizing our strategic plan and align our work with the profile of a graduate, we would be looking at opportunities to strengthen the variety of arts offerings at each of our high schools. New state diploma requirements call for Virginia graduates to have acquired knowledge, skills, behaviors, and capabilities that qualify as attributes for career-ready students. A review of the workforce trends indicated potential for new courses in design, dance, video game design, technical theater, and media arts. Recommendation three aims to engage schools and departments to explore course offerings based on current workforce trends and to review our current program of study arts courses and make recommendations to update course offerings to align with workforce trends and student interests. Included in these next steps would be in fall 2018 to survey students on courses that they have interested in, are interested in and would like to take in the arts. In the spring of 2019 to update our offerings based on the surveys and going through the program of, uh, program of studies evaluation process. We would like to provide um, school year 2018 and ongoing to present information on updated courses at elective fairs for students and parents. Our ongoing work with the Kennedy Center and other arts organizations to look at workforce trends in the arts. Our ongoing work with post-secondary schools to further align APS course offerings with college and university art programs. 
and our continued work with counselors to match students' interests with course offerings and to support their personalized learning. Our final recommendation, number four, gifted identification, is to explore effective ways to consistently identify students as gifted in the arts across all schools. This recommendation aims to engage schools and the gifted and arts education departments to strengthen the consistency of the identification process across schools. In fall 2018, we're looking to redesign the identification process to include digital submissions and products to align with the redesign of other content areas. In summer 2018 and ongoing, working with the supervisor of gifted services to increase communication and collaboration between arts teachers and resource teachers for the gifted in order to implement all processes systemically. In fall of 18, to work with the principals to develop a comprehensive understanding of the importance of identifying students who are gifted in the arts and the impact this can have on their career exploration and their Aspire to Excellence plan. In 2019 spring, to provide opportunities for collaboration and professional development between arts teachers and resource teachers for the gifted. Ongoing work would be to continue to provide professional learning opportunities for teachers to understand the gifted identification process and how to support all learners in the classrooms. We'd be happy to take any questions. Okay, first let's see if we have any speakers. All right, board colleagues, questions or comments? Ms. O'Grady? I have a few questions. Thank you so much, Ms. Van Horn and Ms. Farrell for making the presentation today. I think the arts are um, a real gem in our school system and um, I'm so happy to hear about our future plans. I wanted to know a little bit uh, more about the demographics of the students who are currently choosing to take arts in high school uh, and um, also looking at the subcategory of students. If you can share that with us, please. Sure, do you want to take that, Regina? Mm -hmm. So, looking at our report, just in 2016-17, I have the percentage of high school students who were enrolled in arts by discipline, so I can share that with you. 27% um, of high school students were enrolled in a visual art course, 11% uh, instrumental music, 5% theater, 5% of students were enrolled in theater, and 4% in choral. So that was 2016-17. Um, I don't have the exact numbers for representation of student groups, but I can tell you that it, there really was a lot of progress over that four-year period and in comparison to the last program evaluation. So there's some student groups uh, who we think of as historically underrepresented that in arts courses, um, the gaps are much smaller. So like for black students, we don't see a very large gap in enrollment. Um, there are some exceptions to that. So uh, looking at LEP students in music classes, we see that they are underrepresented. Um, Hispanic students in all arts disciplines at the high school level, and boys in choral music in particular. Um, so those groups stand out. Uh, really, with students with disabilities, there's not much of a representation gap at high school, but where we start to see differences there uh, is in the advanced courses. We start to see that has, there hasn't been as much progress in the advanced coursework over the past four years. There's been not very much change there. Thank you for that. I, I, I think that the arts are a great way for students who might have um, some challenges in other areas to really show their strengths 
and to be creative and really in, to enjoy school. So I was excited to see that we're going to be looking at ways to ensure that we're reaching out and making sure that those opportunities are known and available um, and are um, accessible to those students. So that's helpful. I, I have one or two other questions, if I may. Mm -hmm. um, I'd also um, like to see uh, and maybe hear from you, and I, we heard a little bit already about the sorts of classes that we might be expanding to, because in, in my uh, day job as a PR professional, I do see that the arts um, are important assets for, uh, for people that we may want to engage with um, in, in, um, in the workforce. So um, love to hear a little bit more about that and how you're going to continue to develop the list of classes you might offer in the future. Sure. Um, so one of the ways we want to do it is to look at, continue to work with the universities to see what trends they have for jobs and our arts organizations, and then connect that with students' interests, because we have quite a few classes offered across the county in our program of studies, so we're not, we're looking to um, update our course offerings, for example. So some of the things we've looked at is like Actors Studio, um, things that we don't personally have, playwriting, things that develop critical thinking, literary skills, have a crossover. I think the biggest opportunities that I see um, after coming through this program evaluation is looking at how we can look at interdisciplinary work, um, looking at STEM and STEAM, putting more of the A with the engineering and the technology, um, looking where fine and practical arts intersect um, so that it's not this or that. Um, because when you look at a lot of the industry um, jobs that are coming up, they, they are a combination of both. So if you look at video game designing, it takes a year for a game to get into out of design and into um, testing. But it requires fine artists to do all the set background, all the design, all the lighting. Um, but then it also requires the coding and the gaming. So I think looking at ways where we can um, intersect and work collaborative is, is kind of the excitement that I see with looking at this. Thank you. My last question has to go um, to the profile of the graduate mm -hmm. and the ability for our students to be able to show that they understand and comprehend um, the, uh, the, the information that they need to um, learn in ways other than just taking a test. Mm -hmm. And I could see that actually um, allowing them to show their artistic skills in so many other different ways, perhaps through um, a photography exhibit or mm -hmm. through uh, any other visual aspect, maybe it's a video, um, wanted to know if you're working um, to try to figure out how these sorts of um, attributes our students have might be able to value, be valuable as we look at the profile of the graduate. Sure. Um, in regards to that, I think that it's, you know, we are fortunate, the arts that are, we are performance-based assessments and we are portfolio-based assessments. So, it's almost leading what others now are realizing. It's, it's what we've done in programs where we have arts integration, where we've allowed students to demonstrate their knowledge through the arts rather than a standardized test. So I think it's broadening that with other content areas and bringing them along to it. Um, one of the reasons why we chose the um, uh, the habits of mind was to look at, it's very hard to show, we're always looking at product, right? But the process that students go through to develop a play, to develop a musical piece, to develop a piece of art, the amount of decisions they have to make, critical thinking skills they have to have, conceptualizing from, you know, understanding by design from the end to the beginning, um, it, it's never ending. So I think this, the profile of a graduate gives us this opportunity to free us up from this standardized test. 
um, and to cross-curricular look at ways that we can take what we know in the arts and um, work with other content areas to provide uh, multiple opportunities for students to exhibit um, what they know and are able to do in other formats. Thank you, and I would just add that I saw some of that happen right in front of us at one of the previous board meetings where we had some students who uh, did an a cappella presentation and they were missing a student and you, they didn't miss a beat, but they were able to figure out, okay, you're gonna take this student's um, place. And so it is um, incredibly um, uh, valuable uh, for students to go through that sort of experience and be able to perform and, mm -hmm. and create and collaborate because those are the things I believe are very valuable in the workforce as well. So thank you for that work, appreciate sure. the time. Sure, Ms. Talento. Um, thank you so much for the presentation. I love the arts uh, and it was, thank you for sharing the video, that was awesome. Uh, I wanted to ask that as you look at ways to engage students, um, that you work, one of the, I know that you said there's a lot of scheduling and conflicts for some of our students to take these courses. Um, and in some of the work that I've done with, uh, in my community work, a lot of our English language learners are, have scheduling conflicts because of their classes. Mm -hmm. And what some of the other departments have, have done, what they have done is, work with um, the East Hill Department to on their pathway for graduation to see how they can implement that curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, as you're exploring career opportunities, if there's something that we can do like that for our East Hill students, um, even if it's creating an art class for zero period, like Washington sure. Lee has, mm -hmm. that would open it up to students who do not have electives. And I know that there's some students uh, who have instructional studies mm -hmm. that take two blocks and that sure. eats their elective. So yeah. maybe they have this zero period opportunity to take an art class. Right. Uh, the number of students I've heard who have not pursued arts at the high school level because of the fact that in middle school, mm -hmm. they did not have space for that elective. And mm -hmm. so they come into high school with a deficit in mm -hmm. arts. Mm -hmm. um, so I just ask that you're looking at this to explore that. You know, there's so many opportunities, as you said, for um, interdisciplinary studies. You know, and uh, I just would ask that you you really look at how we can be creative to really ensure that we are providing arts access to all of our students. Mm -hmm. um, and I know there's ways to do it, and I know that that's a challenge. But as you look at it, I think it's a great opportunity uh, to explore how we can really open doors for pathways for our students with um, disabilities in our advanced levels and our ESL Hill students who due to their scheduling of no fault to their own mm -hmm. are struggling to really access all of the opportunities we provide. Mm -hmm. So I would just ask that you look at that. Sure, absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, as you can see, the arts are a great passion for this board. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have a few comments. Um, first, I, I wanted to highlight your, um, you made a note early in the presentation about how the arts are part of the school culture. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm reminded just last week when we were at Abingdon for their ribbon cutting, mm -hmm. and we saw their orchestra, their band, their chorus, and a video that the students had put together mm -hmm. um, you know it, as part of their their celebration and it's it's certainly true and Ms. Farrell I remember I asked you um, is a while ago now we sometimes hear from the community about the idea of an arts center where students might go from their schools and come together for arts classes mm -hmm. um, in a separate facility and sure. your response was that in fact our arts model really is about arts being in the schools mm -hmm. as part of 
the regular school day, not you know just a, a separate piece. And sure. I, I think that's um, it makes a lot of sense, and I think we see that um, in what we're doing. So, um, and by the way, um, uh, having um, heard a bit about board member schedules over the last couple of months, we've been seeing a lot of shows. <laughs> Lots of really great shows going on, at the, especially at the, the high school level, I think, or were a lot of the things people That's were great. seeing. A um, few other questions. Uh, I want to ask about budget. So one of your, I think it was a recommendation about expanding um, opportunities in classes. I think that's directly related to our planning factors and, quote, class size, right? The more when we define high school, especially or secondary classes, as smaller, that's more teachers, and then there are fewer scheduling constraints, so more students have a chance. So even though arts classes might be different sizes in terms of number of students, sure. our class size, I think, is affecting your goal here. Does, does, that make, does that sound right? So with the electives, we don't really, we have a cap as far as for safety. So, um, so you know, we can have 60, 70 kids in a band uh, room. Um, so we, we don't, the class size is not really, I don't believe it's affecting us. Um, when you talk about budget for courses, and maybe I'm misunderstanding your question. Well, I was really asking about planning factors, which basically determine how many sure. staff FTEs a school mm -hmm. will have. Correct. So, so as my understanding, when they do the scheduling with staffing at the high school level, um, it comes down to how well the classes fill up that are core areas that students have to take. Um, most of our schools, on a whole, do a pretty great job opening up sections if, if they can. Um, there's times when a director of counseling will call me and say, it's either this or this, you know, we can't run both, and we try and look at level of student interest or um, scaffolding, you know, if we're going into a second or third level of a class. Um, so in regards to the courses that we were talking about through the program of studies or updating, we're really looking at not necessarily adding to, but maybe looking at courses that are no longer um, uh, effective for the current work trends and maybe substituting out something a little more updated. but. And again, we'll have to see where it falls out. It might, in, might include some additional classes, which could affect staffing. At the end of the day, that's, I guess, what, what we need to know, too, is sure. if, to achieve your goals. What kind of staffing? Can you achieve your goals with the allocation that we have, or is this something that, that we need to think about for a potential I think it's a, it's additional resource? It's two parts. Uh, first part is making sure we're current and staying in, in sync with the um, uh, college uh, careers that uh, pathways that students are taking are we preparing them well and then what courses do we need to provide if we're not fit on, filling that gap or for career readiness so it could have an impact on staffing as well yeah okay. we'll keep us posted on that absolutely um, and then I wanted to uh, follow up on uh, my colleagues comments um, uh, you you gave the statistics about students um, in the different arts and English language learners, Hispanic students, you said, participate less. Less in others. the performing arts. Less in, in the performing instrumental arts. music and, uh, and in But particular, that was not identified as one of your goals to address. Did you not feel it was a significant difference or? Uh, no, it was, it was to address access and equity for students to look. Um, I have a goal as a Regina. Sorry. To increase participation, right? To look at making sure okay. fee reductions and waivers were out there in front, um, and to make sure um, 
students knew what courses were available to them. And I think the part about that is the schedule is the, is the part that doesn't provide access at times, right? Because if a student needs a different course in order to be successful in a core content area, that might alleviate a um, elective for them. So working with the counselors to look at ways that we can achieve this through creative scheduling, zero period, TAs, um, possibly looking at an act two model at the high school level, um, things like that to provide the opportunity. And also looking at when a student is um, put into a remediation class in middle school, that that doesn't need to be a year long class, that when that student uh, shows proficiency, they could filter back into an elective um, and so that we would work with that intervention model a little more fluidly um, now that we have more of an ATSS model. Um, so I think th those are the ways that we're looking at, it, at addressing that um, okay. piece. I just wanted to make one suggestion. Sure. Um, and my colleagues will laugh because ever since I got back from San Antonio and the National School Boards Association Conference, I keep talking, telling stories about it. Um, the winner, of, uh, exactly, NSBA camp. Um, the winner of one of the Magna Awards had um, developed a bilingual theater. And I really, we were all like, wow, that is very cool. And um, it, you know, I meant, well, it was one of the many things I meant to share when, when I got back and now I'm getting a chance to do it, that it might be something we want to think about. Yeah. Because obviously that's a way to get the very population that you're talking about right Absolutely. up there on the stage and wanting to participate. And there were different ways they did it. Okay. Different things. They actually found plays that had both languages. They just did things in both languages, you know, okay. different nights or, uh, it's a, it was a very interesting model and I would encourage you to take a look. It's the Magna winner, you should be able to find it. Sure, uh, abs Magna, absolutely. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Ms. Talento, one more, yeah. I apologize because I do try to, but I've thought about this question in my head and I forgot it and it's, it's been a long week so I am a little tired, so which is why I'm not as coherent as I usually like to think I am. Um, I did have a question, uh, did you, in the, in the evaluation, did you find any information or references to fees being obstacles for some students? And I ask that because um, it varies at different schools, but I've heard it a couple of times where, I don't know if it's, um, there's an uncomfortable, uncomfortability about producing that information. So sometimes teachers don't know and it might be teachers, supervisors, I'm not sure where it comes from, don't know how to say, we have scholarships for children in need because they don't know how to have that conversation is one of the experiences that I had. Um, in other places, there's scholarships, but sometimes scholarships isn't necessarily because you're low income. You could be a middle-class family with a very sure. specific budget. So I had one parent say, well, I didn't, very recently said I didn't send my child to uh, the band trip um, because it was $700. And this particular school wasn't doing a big fundraiser, mm -hmm. but they're not low income. So when they offered that mm -hmm. child a scholarship, they're like, oh, no, we're not low income. Well, you don't have to be low income. $700 is a lot of money. Sure. And if you're, you know, you should, so I just, I wonder if there was any discussion about that. And I know that there's times where they'll send a flyer out and they'll say, join band in the fourth grade. Uh, you can rent an instrument. Sure. Well, if a parent sees that and say, you can't do it because we can't afford an instrument without any recognition that we actually have instruments and that they're reserved for students who may be on free and reduced. So I just wonder if there was any information obtained in the recommendation and if not, 
can you consider doing some professional development on how to have those conversations with the mm -hmm. community in a very comfortable and open way sure. um, so that I think that would also open doors for a lot of our families who don't always understand um, the systems that we have in place to ensure equity and access for all students. Sure, so just to clarify, um, it was a small percentage on the surveys that we got back and that's why we indeed included it because we didn't want to see it at all that that was um, impeding any student from taking it. Um, on the elementary level or across the county, um, we have instruments for any student who's eligible for free and reduced lunch and we rent out every single one of those. Um, and we continue to, um, to make sure that that's in place. We do do training with our teachers at the beginning of the year so they understand that. Um, we also have listed in the program of studies that no fees should prevent a student from taking it. I think it really comes down to communicating it um, more broadly um, in the community, on our website, in our paperwork, um, multiple languages that we sent out our rental forms and things with. So we'll continue to do that work, but it is one of the areas that we're looking to make sure that it's very apparent um, to our community. Yeah, sure. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're good. We're okay. done. Thank you. We're done.